1: Welcome to the program, folks. Is that the uh, Roy Moore theme song? Indeed it is. You're much too young girl. You know my true? show. Yes, it is. Is that where you're going with it? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm Joey. He's Baron, hanging out on the show this evening. Baron Coleman. I'm excited for the invite. I always look forward to the invite. Well, and I thought Alabama's once again in the national news. Yeah. Getting the attention of the president and his son, Don Jr. So apparently this all started, folks, when Bradley Byrne gave an interview to the hill. And he said, I expect Roy Moore to throw his hat in the ring, but I don't think he could win against Doug Jones, to which Roy Moore says, he has Twitter! I didn't know that. Yeah, I wonder... That's how, that's how he reaches the young girls too? <laughs> no, he's not that far gone. He's not Anthony Weiner or anything. Well, I mean... Did they have Polaroids back then? <laughs> uh... Yeah, but this is his theme song. Gary Bucket and the Union Gap, folks, young girl. You're much too young, girl. That's so good. But uh, Roy Moore put out, well, what is Bradley scared of? Of course I could beat Doug Jones, is what Roy tweeted. Except except he didn't. uh, Yeah, you didn't last time. Right. And so Don Jr. threw some heat at Roy Moore. I and you're the it. only person who could lose in the GOP, America, Trump-loving state of Alabama. Which is, it is amazing.
0: Literally any person in the phone book not named Roy Moore wins that race, 58-42.
1: Right. Anybody. Right, because it wasn't just Democrats getting out the vote. It wasn't really that at all. No, it was
0: more suburban a of,
1: white people in the
0: Fertile Crescent around Birmingham didn't vote for Roy Moore.
1: And it's an interesting thing about this state. Like, when you ask people in a, a prim and proper, you know, polite society what their opinion on anything in politics is in Alabama, they'll give you the correct answer. But when they're in a private setting with maybe their significant other, their close friends, or in the private voting booth... Or it's just in their own private life. They don't even make it to the voting booth. They make their own decisions. I think Alabamians keep up appearances. So, you know, I'm not denying the hard felt, you know, beliefs of the state of Alabama. For instance, the abortion bill didn't surprise me. But I, I don't think it's quite as solid. All the correct opinions are quite as solid when people are really pressed on it and make their own decision with their own conscience.
0: Yeah, I, 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 on, on some issues, I think you're probably right. Uh, I think a lot of issues. I think Roy Moore was that issue. Yeah, but Roy Moore, but Roy Moore wasn't leading the polls either, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> so there was really no you know disparity between polling in that race and the final outcome. I mean, it was a, it was a fifty fifty toss up race, and it ended up a fifty fifty race uh, inside the margin of error on the polls, and uh, and Roy Moore came out on the wrong side of it. But there, there's a fertile crescent of <clears throat> people who know better than everybody else. They're in Birmingham. Starts up in Gardendale. Mm-hmm. It goes over to the right, Trust, Trustville, and then down Hoover, Homewood, Mountain Brook, all that area, Shelby County. Beautiful scenery. It, 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 yeah, it's gorgeous, but it's it's the, I call it the fertile crescent. <clears throat> and if the fertile crescent is not voting GOP, the GOP doesn't win that race. Mm. And that fertile crescent did not vote for Roy Moore. They just didn't. That's the upper-middle-class white vote in Alabama. There really is no upper-middle-class mass white vote in the Montgomery area. There's a very, very small percentage of upper-middle-class white vote in, um, <clears throat> in Mobile. Uh, but the Fertile crescent of Birmingham and the suburbs of Huntsville really are it.
1: Right. <clears throat> and they, they did not like Roy Moore. But then there's this populist streak in Alabama. <laughs> it's white. I think Trump is so popular. And somebody who constantly rails against the establishment, they took me off the bench, all this stuff. Roy Moore fits the bill. But it was more to me, folks, not with the... By the way, your vote is not your voice. Mm -hmm. And the Roy Moore campaign, the special election against Doug Jones, was a perfect example. Because people constantly tell me, and it drives me nuts, your vote is your voice. Well, it's a small share in political power. You get a little bit of a say. You get to choose your representatives. Fine. No, but your voice is guaranteed by the First Amendment. And the freedom of the press was at play in that special election, and the Washington Post had a hell of a lot more of a voice than any single voter in that election. <coughs> and yeah. it wasn't their accusations in the piece, necessarily. It was the response afterwards by Moore himself in his campaign that made me
0: very skeptical. Yeah, I was going to say, the Washington Post, I think if it had just been the Washington Post and he'd had better crisis communication counselors, it would have been better. he'd have been fine. Yeah. Because you could have just ran against the Washington Post. Typical liberal yep. lying garbage. The same thing they try to do to Trump, they're trying to do to me. Uh, but Roy Moore had two fatal flaws. One is, there's an ever-diminishing percentage, even in backwater Alabama, of people <clears throat> who can be manipulated by God. Mm-hmm. They could be manipulated by You know, oh, you know, God above all else and everything else. I mean, you know, every, I think the majority of Alabama would acknowledge God above all else. Yes. But, but they also approach voting with God and instead of God only and they and they have different interpretations of what god wants oh yeah. you know god wants me to you know go to church on sunday you know be relatively moral in my personal life god wants me to do you know be nice to other people give to the poor you know say my prayers or do all this stuff <clears throat> but that doesn't mean i have to do outrageous outlandish things like bring in stone monuments and disobey federal court orders right it doesn't mean i have to you know do whatever dumb stunt of the month Roy Moore or his followers pull out you know blowing a shofar at a at a, a political rally i mean he they, they he they just
1: literally blew a shofar?
0: They, yeah like his his supporters did i mean th- oh this, wow i didn't know that this is the level of lunacy and they're becoming an increasingly marginalized minority
1: But there's a limit. I mean, I think even in Alabama, people look and say, that's crazy. Well, in my own personal experience, it doesn't take a secular, skeptical young guy like myself, I think the most fervent uh, criticism, criticism I've heard of Roy Moore has come from very devout, believing Christians that I know it really has and this is just people I know in my personal life some are family yeah. and I asked them in a kind of a quiet setting what do you think of uh, the judge and they, they are not fans so it's an interesting divide I don't know if he'll actually throw his hat in the ring with all the heat he's receiving from the president um, that's that's a major thing for the be put on blast by the president of the United
0: States well it is and I think the crazy religious component was part of his loss the other part was in my opinion when he lost the rest of us he lost me I voted for him but he lost me. Uh, I actually called on him on the on the morning radio show that I do. I called on him to agree to run, be a placeholder, negotiate with K.I.V. a successor, name that person before the election, say, this is who's going to be your senator. I'm going to resign, and she's going to appoint this guy if, right. after I win. The second part of it, though, was when he went on Sean Hannity's show, instead of saying, no, I wasn't into 16-year-old girls when I was in my 30s, that's crazy. He said... Yeah, uh, you know, Sean said, did you ever hit on, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-olds when you were 35 years old? He's like, I don't know, maybe.
1: Oh, no, yeah, I Yeah, he's
0: that. like, you know, maybe. But if I did, I asked their parents' permission. Oh, no. <clears throat> I mean, come on.
1: I'm about to That's why his happy. other theme song is Does Your Mama Know? Uh, the I That and, and he's into horses. I mean, that's probably the biggest problem. Wow. Well, guy what loves what horses. Mean? He's a horse guy. He's big well, into I horses. But, I mean, what's wrong with horses? He he's horses. an equestrian. Loves horses. That's one thing. That is, that's quite a attribute for Roy. There were a lot of words I was searching I was for kidding. there. I was stumbling around. But an equestrian is not something I will knock Roy Moore for being. Well, I, I do think it was... The, I was kidding about the horse guy. It, it was the religious fervor stunt. People people love the religion in Alabama, but they don't like the stunts. Because I think they think it makes yeah. God look bad, and I agree with them. Well, and people are waking up to the sort of cynical plays to what people do devoutly believe, but, right. oh, oh, it's another politician It's saying, like you're making light of it. Right. Well, or you're playing on my deeply held beliefs in a cynical way to just win power. Correct, and and well, and I think people are over that in Alabama, or at least the majority of Republicans. Well, are. I think Trump ushered this in. I've been trying to explain to people who don't live in, let's say, the Bible Belt, right. that I know, and they they can't understand why Alabama is so fervently Trump. And I try to, and they bring up the evangelicals because Trump, you know, Trump, he's been kind of the playboy of the Western world. They love him. The evangelicals love him. Well, because I appointed people to the Supreme Court. They loved me before that, and by the time they get pissed off at Kavanaugh, I can get pissed too, <laughs> and nobody you know will blame me. It's a, it's a different brand of populism. Trump's Trump populism and Roy
0: Moore's populism, both populist. One's kookery, and one makes America great again.
1: Well, yeah, and it's also the element. It's the one thing I like <laughs> about Trump that I constantly hear the establishment and you know the polite people in my circles diss him for is that he is a bit rough around the edges he is coarse and crude at times he does tweet excessively I like that stuff I like the bull in the China shop China pun intended aspect of the president of the United States I'll you know I'll have an academic discussion about trade or whatever and you know hopefully the trade war he's engaged in works out I just think right now it's it's just not working right now but I'm not saying the game's over. Well, um, someone texted me and said, Moore's like Uncle Murray, the uncle who might
0: say the right thing, but is the absolute worst messenger. <clears throat> but I think it's the stunts. Mm-hmm. I think it's the stunts. I mean, his closing argument was, I'm going to dress up like Woody from Toy Story and pull out a gun on stage. <laughs> what?
1: What? It would have been better with Buzz Lightyear's outfit. <laughs> well, yeah. And they I, would have voted for him then. To <laughs> <Neo laughs> infinity and Especially beyond. The Especially Woo. if it hadn't been like a true laser. It was just that flashing red light <laughs> on his arm, on his gauntlet. Uh, but here, I want to address something real quick. Uh, a story I covered, I, I guess it was last night. Um, this idea that... It, did you see the, the story about the photo of Pete Buttigieg? Who I actually think could do well in the debates and... Keep rising, but Pete Buttigieg. It's a, just a simple, pretty benign photo of Buttigieg standing from a podium at a campaign stop, and his husband, Chasten. What a first name! Has not in a weird oh, way, just has stop. his back. Back up, back up. His husband's name has the word chaste in it. Yeah, his husband's name is Chasten, like Chast, but with an N at the end. Not, like, with a T. Yeah, Chase Chaste. Chaston. Okay. All right, go ahead. Which I've heard of Chase. Irony aboundeth. <laughs> Indeed. But Chasten, just as in a nice, friendly way, has his hand on Pete's, Mayor Pete's shoulder.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's a pretty standard shot you would see on stage at a campaign stop. Where did you see this? Um, it was a, a National Review, review story. Ca- okay. Catherine Temp, my uh, right. Fox News crush. Yeah. Uh, she wrote it up for National Review. And... A Yale professor, an assistant Yale professor, claimed the photo was uh, really an embodiment of a you know a, a dispassionate, almost immaterial heterosexuality without gayness. Yeah, I saw that. And I this is the point where I you know I try to understand people, I try to be charitable, and try to make the world make some sense, even if I disagree with aspects of the world. But when you are looking at a photo of a gay married couple, And calling it, like, some sort of heteronormative. Insidious, like, you know, form of, like, heteronormativity. Yeah, it's just like, really, lady? So being gay means just being also, like, you know, letting your freak flag fly. Yeah,
0: and and I think that gets to the heart of it. I I did read that. A female professor took issue with it. Lafleur is her last name. Well, here's what I think. For them, gay is not companionship. It's not...
1: um, you know and, it's i doing the, literal gay stuff.
0: there was a lot there were a lot of people listening to my radio show and friends of mine personally who were disappointed in my take on the gay marriage dip, dip, dispute because sure. my take was <clears throat> I'm all in favor of gay marriage under the United States current legal yeah. definition of marriage which is companionship you sure. can jump in and out of a marriage whenever you want you can have abortions you can use birth control it's not about children it's not about procreation it's not about any of that it's about companionship and if Steve and Tim want companionship and contractual rights to each other's property. Yeah, knock yourself out. Get married. I don't care. Right. Uh, but but for them, it's not a, for this Yale professor and for a lot on the left, particularly the wacky side of the left, which mm-hmm. she probably occupies. It's not about companionship. It's not about any of that kind of stuff. It's about leather pants and pink hair and rainbow eyeshadow and you know the trainees have pushed normal gay people out of the. Oh yeah. They, they, they've taken their intersectionality
1: from them. Well, but I think you also see this on the issue of race. Being black doesn't... It's not really a skin color thing. That's a big part of it. But uh, it's also a whole culture. You know what
0: killed race? You know what killed the whole race argument to me? Hmm. The discrimination against Asians. Yeah. Discrimination at Harvard in
1: particular. Did. At, at, at every major university. Well, And it was like this weird form of discrimination where they're too successful and right. hardworking. Yeah. We can't accept all these Japanese and Chinese
0: and Koreans. Well, because it it, 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 dis- it disrupts the entire notion that you have to be white to get ahead in America. And that white people have this intrinsic advantage. Right. Well, here are clearly non-white people, most of whom didn't even speak the language when they're, they or their parents got here. And here they are succeeding at a level far above the entrenched white heteronormative society but
1: it doesn't I don't think mess with the far far left because they're like well it's a cultural thing and their culture reflects the sort of white patriarchal culture it, it, and this is where it's so slippery and ridiculous yeah. that you don't even have basic definitions of, of the identities we're arguing over. So I'm, I'm just kind well, of done example, with the identity stuff. I want to
0: talk about ideas. Well, and, and, and to your point, when I said Asian, you concocted somebody that looked Southeast Asian. Chinese, Japanese, Korean, oh, yeah. something to that extent.
1: Could be something else.
0: Right. Uh, Indians, yeah. Jews. Yeah. Uh, Russians.
1: All Asians. Are Persians, <coughs> technically, uh, yeah, Asian? Persians technically Yeah, Persians technically Asians. So yeah. the people in Iran as Clay? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll say this. Arabs,
0: Persians, I've always considered white. Okay. I've always considered white. The, the Palestinians to me are white people. The it, The Jews are white people. The Persians to me are white people. I just I don't picture them as their own distinct ethnicity well here's my thing and that's why it kills me when that, that that Palestinian woman from up in Michigan calls herself a woman of color and they're going after me because they're a woman of color I mentioned that on the radio and one of our black callers called in and he said I wouldn't be caught in Mississippi alone with her after dark <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean she's white she's that's white she's white Right. Well, and I just stay away from it because even if I try to do it from the left wing perspective, that we're going to look at the races and their different cultures and the hierarchy you could potentially set up, it just starts to make me feel icky. Even if the whole reason for it is compassion. I'm like, it seems like you took the racist system of the past, which was very real and has a legacy, and you flipped it on its head. Right. And you said, now it's good. No, just get rid of the whole freaking system. You want to talk about genetics? Fine. But when you start, like, packing in all these cultural, like, you know, Chris, you add more ornaments to the Christmas tree. It's not just a tree. A real Christmas tree has these particular Star Wars Let me ornaments. tell you. Your popcorn Christmas tree isn't a real Christmas tree.
0: Trannies suck the life out of the race movement. You're really on that tranny thing. They've destroyed normal conversation and normal... You have You have the current head, the current... World champion or national champion in the NCAA track and field is a dude.
1: Yeah, that's unreal.
0: And did you see the picture of the girls laughing finishing the run when this when this dude was like a and and when he competed against the men the previous year he finished eight out of nine. Wow. In the qualifying. Wow. And he was like within he wasn't even within a half a second of the closest. Wait, so quarters. there's a,
1: an advantage to being a biological male in terms of speed and strength. Yes. Oh wow. I mean, that's so politically incorrect. Not just speed and strength. It's a whole host of things. Yeah. And there are disadvantages to being Yes, an there are. But yeah. not speed and strength. All right. Well, that's what's amazing to me is, like, you say something negative that might be kind of inherent or, I mean, it could be passed on but pretty hard to shake yeah. about men or women. And you are all of a sudden damning all women or, you know, criticizing all men. It's just absurd. Like, when did we just start walking on eggshells? But maybe here's the thing. Maybe it was always bad. I'm really. We've talked about this before. I think it was always bad, and I like your theory that you know when you're, you know, on the the trail west, mm-hmm. and you don't have time to worry about what your sexual identity is nope. and your gender identity. Don't care. But w- would we <clears throat> want to go back then? No. I'm not much of a. I'm not Jeremiah Johnson. I'm not some mountain man over here. I think this is still the best time to be alive. But it's still very, very frustrating because the. Politics of the situation right now, everything's a freaking Rorschach test. Like, I really sat down and looked at that Mueller statement yesterday. Yeah. In a way, what Mueller did is number one, say, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. Hmm. Like, I've already spoken essentially with my report. But I think he smashed where he upset, he criticized talking points from the Trump administration and from the left. Like, Trump's saying, I'm exonerated. in the way, William Barr exonerated Trump, because Barr made it clear, we've made a decision at the department, he didn't obstruct justice. But Mueller didn't. Mueller just said, we didn't find sufficient evidence. Now, I don't think it's the role of prosecutors to exonerate people. It's look at the evidence. Is there enough evidence to charge somebody? But, he... He's essentially taken on this idea of, no, what I said in my report isn't that he's fully exonerated. But then he also looked at the left and said, William Barr and I had a slight disagreement over how to release the report. I think he acted in good faith. By the way, I don't want to testify. This will be my final words. Not because anybody's told me, nobody from the administration, nobody pulling any strings. I just don't want to be a part of this. I would love to see... Like Robert Mueller, like some secret tape, like James O'Keefe somehow gets in there and has a conversation with Mueller where he's just criticizing the whole circus around him. I doubt it because Mueller is a man of D.C. He was the FBI director for years. He knows how it works. He's not going to get duped into a conversation. No, obviously not. But I just wonder what his private thoughts are about this whole political circus. Because that statement yesterday, eight minutes long. Is a continuing to be a political rorschach type. Yeah,
0: he, but he's a company man. He's gonna he's gonna tell the company line. He's not gonna throw the FBI under the bus. So he know, And here's the other right, thing too. Right. He knows there are people appointed looking into those things.
1: Well, looking it, into those issues. So wh- why why even wade in there? And based on his report, it looks like he just took that counterintelligence crossfire hurricane and everything that developed as okay. I assume that's correct. Right. He didn't, you know, double-check Well, it wasn't—he's a prosecutor.
0: Right. The fact-finders
1: had already done the fact-finding. If they're wrong, guess what? There's an investigator looking into whether or not they were right. And one thing that's making me nervous about this, I didn't realize it until last night, and I'll give credit to Ben Shapiro, maybe realize this. At one point, do you collect all sorts of information with counterintelligence means, which do not require the same amount of, like, say—you don't have to get the—the the, getting a warrant from the FISA court is not exactly the same thing as getting a, a standard warrant from a judge— So how much are you going to use counterintelligence under the auspices that we're taking on the Russians to collect information on American citizens, including the president-elect and president of the United States, and then you just hand it over to a prosecutor for a criminal investigation? Like, where's the line there between normal criminal act prosecution and counterintelligence research? Well,
0: and I think the breakdown, and I don't know if Shapiro pointed this out because I didn't hear the the discussion you are referencing, but I think the the distinction, the breakdown is the FISA warrant, the Title I FISA warrant, is supposed to be a higher standard than a standard (laughs) criminal warrant. So if I go down, if I'm prosecutor here in Montgomery County, Darrell Bailey, and I go down to Judge Hardwick, the presiding judge in, in Montgomery County, and I say, you know, Judge, I need to get a warrant on Joey Clark. Right. Here are the three things that I believe justify us getting a warrant. He just kind of looks at it and says, eh, all right, signs off on it. Right. A FISA warrant, because that gives that only gives the district attorney or, or whoever very limited investigatory authority. A Title I FISA warrant gives them access to the entire NSA database on you, everyone you've talked to, and everyone those people have talked to. Two layers, two gaps yeah. between you. Two hops. And, and. You know that—that's that, a lot of people. That's me. a lot of people, and it's not just the one particular piece of information. It's not we need to go search Joey's glove compartment. It's we need to search every email, every text message, every picture, every phone call, every trip he's taken, geolocations on phones. Turn on his camera on his phone and look around the house to see what's going on. Turn on the microphones and listen. The FISA Title One warrant is a very, very distinct solo breed. Go back to Rosemary Collier which was released in April of uh, 2017, go back to her examination of it, they did not follow the rule most right. of the time. 85% of the queries, she, she
1: determined in her limited investigation, 85% of the queries were in problem hey, What a surprise that a secret government court with massive powers would abuse that power. Not only that, they weren't going to
0: the court at all. They were letting political contractors look at the FISA, uh, look at the NSA databases. They were doing contractor wow. queries. That's that's the scandal. That's what's going to come out. That's what's going to explode. Well, the and thing.
1: then also, I don't believe you need a warrant to say have a CIA or FBI informant go talk to somebody like you know George Papadopoulos. Yeah. Just have him go talk to him. And maybe they were then feeding him information they wanted him later to confess. It's possible, I suppose. No, I'm just sitting back waiting because I think a lot of this is just nonsense. <laughs> it really, this is not what we should be talking about in 2019 with 2020 coming up. But it is. Well, the, I do
0: think we should be talking about it because I think if they get to the bottom of the entire FISA warrant, the origins of the investigation, the fact that Trump was under investigation under surveillance from the nascent stages of his campaign long before there was any.
1: Well, we should talk about before. it in the sense that it's the story that's been played out <laughs> across the Trump presidency in the last two years. Fair enough. I mean, I wish it had never even started two years ago, well, and sure. that we could be arguing over things like immigration, trade. Healthcare. Yeah, but I think that in the long run this is more important because this is how presidents are selected, not elected. Mm.
0: I like where you're going with that. Okay. And this exposes that reality. That your votes largely have been
1: meaningless up until 2016, probably for thirty years. Well, we gotta hit a break here, folks, and uh, if you don't know who this is in the studio with me, where the hell have you been? Been under a rock it's Baron Coleman. I'm Joey Clark. This song goes out to a very special politico here in the state of Alabama. You're my state. It's oh, a good end to a long day. Here in the dimly lit studio with a good friend. I have to say, though, I am sore as hell. But yeah, I, Let
0: me say, it doesn't have anything to do with me. No, 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 no. Well, no, you no. said dimly lit, here with a good friend. I'm sore as hell. Oh, I don't
1: want anyone thinking that's a... Well, then they're the perverts. Because I didn't say anything. I didn't say I'm words. on the other side of the cabinet, people. The other side of the cabinet. Plus, I mean, if anybody's in the running at Southern Wood, he's put in the sweat equity. Or the time, I mean. He's put in the time on there. <laughs> the sweat equity? Yeah. Believe yeah. me, there's no problem there. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sore because I asked for it, because I worked for it. it means I did my job by going to Express Fitness 24-7. Dynamite, Good, please. Great sponsor of the show. I've been working out with the co-owner, co-owners, Alex, over there. He's been giving me some personal training. Yeah, I'm getting in all that work, but you don't have to be. You know, doing all sorts of heavy lifting. Maybe you just want to do some more cardio. Um, depending on where you are in life, your fitness goals might be a little different. The great thing about Express Fitness twenty four seven it's it's in the name twenty four seven. Once you become a member of low month-to-month payment. You don't have to do a year-long contract like some other gyms. Uh, You can do month-to-month, see how you like it. They'll give you a few free initial personal training sessions, help you meet your goals, and then when you're a member, you get a key fob. You can show up 24-7, 365. Whenever you need to work out, it'll fit with your schedule. And the equipment's top notch. I've never wanted for equipment: weight machines, cable machines, cardio machines, free weights, all sorts of stuff. I love it. Locations all over the river region. I go to the Zelda Road location. The locations in Milburg, Prattville, Wetumpka, Clanton, even Pine Level, all over the place. I love what they're doing. I love. We're it. huge in Pine Level. Huge. huge. We're huge. Huge. So check them out, Express Fitness 24-7. You can find them online at expressfitness24.com. It's the number 24, expressfitness24.com. I suggest that because you can find what location is best for you. And they have some inspirational quotes. I like that crap. Just a single quote. Get the brain going a little bit. You know, I'm kind of a Reddit addict. I don't know if you knew
0: that. A Reddit addict? Reddit, yeah. I read Reddit every day, probably 20 times a day. But Mm -hmm. I subscribe to Get Motivated. Okay. Yeah. There are times I want to get up and run through a wall. Yeah. And you just think are there days you're having like a slow day? Oh you
1: hear that and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go run. No, I saw something that disappointed me though. Because I and it disappointed me because to get motivated, sometimes I'll read something inspirational, but I'll also put on music. Music's Mm -hmm. the best thing for me in the morning. Right. And sometimes you feel like a little bit of David Lee Roth era Van Halen. Why wouldn't You you? A little, even if it's the basic stuff, like Hot For Teacher, that drum solo at the beginning, and that guitar riff, then it goes into that cool... Like, remind you of anyone in particular? Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, actually, it dun, does remind dun, me dun. of a few teachers from my past. That was like my seventh grade theme song. Anyway. I uh, got some heat the other day. I, I, I said
0: on air why I thought teachers were hotter now than they were when we were younger, <clears throat> and it didn't go over well. Really? Yeah. But do you think it's just in our
1: minds?
0: No, no, I think it's it's an objective reality. Teachers it, are objectively more attractive now than they were is it, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Well, I want to hear this theory, especially because you got some hate. <clears throat> All right. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I've already been chastised by station management for saying this. Um, in 1970, hot girls that were 22 years old were married and on their way to having kids. They weren't in the classroom teaching. Now, with everybody delaying, because back then you had kids 22, 24, 26 years old. Now, women have kids 34, 36, 38 years old. It's true. And so they go to college because everybody's forced into college. They graduate with a mountain of student loan debt or an expectation from their parents that I paid for you to go to college for four years. You better work for five or 10 years. And they go to, and they teach. Right. And these are hot women who otherwise would have been selected during high school or early college or early workforce as the type of women who were attractive mates would be a good wife and they would have been scooped up and taken home and married and they wouldn't be in the classroom having sex with 16 year olds that's my theory i think that's sound society's changed to put it in just a phrase right and hot women are now in the workforce. In way higher numbers than they were in the 1960s and 70s. I can't
1: believe somebody got all butt hurt and their feelings hurt over that.
0: Well, there were some teachers that were, I was a teacher in the 80s, are you saying I'm ugly? And I'm like, I I haven't looked at you, maybe. Maybe. You yeah. might well be
1: ugly. Are you sure you want to ask that
0: question? Will you send me a selfie, you know, with your with your mm-hmm. frustration? All I know is you're complaining to me on Facebook, and your profile is all
1: your grandkids. See, today we're that not means you're probably allowed. not hot. We're not allowed to say some people are ugly. Unless they're like... Some a, people are ugly. Whatever. Some, unless they're like... That means they're not happy. Like ugly stick-beaten ugly. Like, you know, you can't point out somebody's ugly. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, average... I think I, I'm average. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, and there's nothing wrong with being average, right?
0: We're not like you some know, hey, and gods up here. Trust me, it. if you're a solid six, yeah. bend over and thank your lucky stars on a daily basis. Because even... a solid six, you have no trouble getting employment. You can find a spouse or a mate. You can hang out with mm-hmm. people and have
1: a good time. Nobody's like, oh, ever. Uh, why I would mean, you? Why would you bend over and thank God though? Because you could have been born a two. Yeah, but I don't understand. Can't you pray
0: just by, you know. Yeah, but when you bend over, it's got, you know, in 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 scripture. You went to Catholic school. Yeah, I did, yeah. When you come face to face with God, you fall over dead on your face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. So, fall over. Thank your lucky stars. You could have been born a two. Well, and also Some people you, are.
1: If you're born a 10, there can also be everything has a downside. I've read a fascinating study where men in particular, yeah, not really attractive women, really attractive men, like tens and nines, are sometimes they don't get job opportunities because they intimidate their potential bosses yeah it's like, yeah. I can't have this young buck hanging around the right this guy's a stud place. this guy's a stud he's gonna, he's gonna attract the secretary I right. hired. What kind of marble did they chisel this guy out of? Anyway <laughs> It's not fair
0: right no, I, I'm with you, and the other thing too is. Well, I'm not going to say that on here. Never mind. <laughs> Just, there there are advantages to being a six or a seven that an eight, nine, or ten don't have. Well, I was, and, and I'll say this. Yeah. I think sevens have happier marriages in the long run. Really? Well, lucky number seven. There it is. I think sevens have the best marriage of any number. That makes sense. It's a good symbolic number, too. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're nine or ten, constantly getting hit on, jealousy constantly on edge, constantly... You know, mm. uh, lots of opportunities throwing themselves at you.
1: I do feel bad for if you're a six
0: or seven, Joey. We're gonna be happy. I do. I do feel people.
1: bad for a lot of uh, women, though, <clears throat> in terms of the beauty standards, in the sense that you know, a guy can get he can groom himself a little bit. Yeah, he can work out some, and right. he can jump maybe even two numbers. Oh, have I
0: told you my theory about this? No. Beauty. Ninety percent of beauty is not genetics. It's weight and grooming. That's it. Wow. Weight and grooming. Yeah, that's a good point. Larger, larger people, and this is procreative and this is evolutionary, the larger you are, the less attractive generally society views you as because you don't look like a potentially good mate. Mm-hmm. Large men sometimes have trouble producing enough uh, uh, sperm count, and large women sometimes don't ovulate consistently enough and uh, and, and can't get pregnant. It's, right. like, it's like a large cow. Try to go and pregnant the fat cow on the farm. She won't get pregnant. You know, you just got to slaughter. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a different species. No way that's happening. And now it's
0: not perfect. Obviously, it, 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 (laughs) Joey. Uh, But, 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 it's like a Faulkner short story. So if you you discipline yourself and don't eat so much food, which is all weight is, it's not exercise, it's not eating, you know, if you don't eat so much food and you lose weight and you wash and comb your hair and apply just a standard, modest amount of effort into your appearance, Mm -hmm. that's 90% of being attractive. Weight and
1: grooming—that's it. That's it. Right. The other ten percent is genetics. Well, and then also personality plays a big part in things. Yeah, but weight and grooming can take you from a three to a nine or an eight. I I agree with that because I, sometimes I look at some of these like trust fund babies, people born like okay, let's use the Trump family. Yeah. Like Tiffany Trump, attractive woman, young woman, but if she didn't have all the money behind her and all the opportunities that money provides for things like you know the. Aesthetic experience, or whatever, then you know, would you even give a second look? And then also the name, I think, has some sway. Uh, I think social proof plays into these things. Where are you on the totem pole of society? Yeah. Oh, your father's president of the United States. Oh yeah. Somebody You're becomes more
0: attractive. Well, money, money can make up a little bit of that, but money yeah. goes towards weight and grooming. Because you know what? Yep. It's hard to eat well it's and stay. Difficult. F- it's difficult to eat well.
1: Well, it is, but it is, just, but just don't but you, say it's hard, but
0: right. if you have an unlimited budget, you can hire chefs, you can hire trainers, yeah. you can hire all, you know, you can buy the best clothes, the best makeup, the best shampoo, you can go to the salon once a week and get your hair. There's, and there's something to it. There's, but, but I think a lot of people that look in the mirror and are unhappy with their appearance could change that in six months or a year and, and be the type of man or woman that a lot of people looked at and went wow wow look at at this person yeah it's it's weight and grooming that's it that's it that's 90% of looks and so the same person the same genetics can be a 3 can be a 7 can really you cap it about 8 with weight and grooming See,
1: but this is the nine or ten is DNA. This isn't genetic, Baron. This is all like social construction. It's all social convention. The fact you're just being an a a hole bigot towards those who look a little different has nothing to do with you're committing the genetic fallacy. So if we just, you know, make if we nerf society enough, then, you know, people that are unattractive by today's standards might be attractive by, you know, the tomorrow's standards. You just have to have the vision. To see it. You just got to have that vision to see it. And it's not that those people are going to replace. It's not that, like, okay, we're going to change society standards so people that are a little heavier are now considered attractive. And now people who are skinny are less attractive. No, everybody will be equally attractive. So equally attractive that it's almost like nobody's attractive. That's the future. No differences. Nobody's better than anybody else. There's
0: nobody here listening that can't change their appearance and take it up a few notches in the next twelve months. And you got the rest of your life ahead of you. Yeah. You can you, you can go as a three, you can go as a five, you can go as a seven. You can go through life that way. There's nobody listening that can't do that.
1: Right. Right? That's oh, it. I completely agree with you. I was pulling up the advocate point. there. I understand what it, you're saying. It's just it's I think it's There's one thing where you're like I'm inherently better than you because I'm better looking. I think that's a little. I've never never experienced that. Yeah, I I think that's a bit much. And also, nature and God seem to have a sense of humor, and that they balance things out. For instance, a lot of famous, really talented musicians tend to be small, little people. Yes, that's correct. Okay, this is like five foot two, you know, freak, and it's Mozart. Do you ever have a theory behind that? Do you have a thought behind that? I've had a few thoughts. Actors I mean, it sounds like you've got one. I do. Too.
0: But I want to hear yours for I don't want to poison the well. But actors, musicians, people like that, creative types are usually
1: smaller. Small people. Why is that? Well, I think it just you have to make up for it. Make up for what? That you aren't going to be as dominant with say strength, speed. I hadn't any thought any of it that of way. I've always thought of it as they have the world is built for people of a certain size, so they have to be
0: creative. To get around that reality, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, because kindergarten is geared towards kids who are, let's say, four foot four feet tall, or three foot six, and if you're three two, you've got to be creative in how you adjust to a three six world. Right. And then if you're going into junior high and you're in seventh grade, and, and seventh grade is geared towards people who are five four, and you're five one, you got to start to be creative about that. I think they make the best business owners. People who've overcome those challenges make the best business owners, make the best bosses, mm-hmm. but they also make the best artists, musicians, stuff like that. I think there's something
1: to that. But well, I, I,
0: I thought of it, but I, I don't I have no empirical evidence
1: for that. Yeah, I, I don't either, but I just have noticed that a lot of famous people are... Not necessarily well, a lot of them are odd looking, especially in like music. You can get away, I think, with a lot more with music. If you're an actor, you got to have the look to a certain yeah. degree. But then I look, I think the people that have the best gigs like Gary them, Busey, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, but I think the people that have the best gigs in entertainment aren't your like classic leading man looks. It's like uh, Steve Buscemi or something like that, where you look like a guy and you have a memorable face and you can be a dominant character actor and make a lot of money doing it without all the pressure of being at the heights of fame which i think is a curse like i look at somebody like i follow him on instagram uh talk about inspiration and motivation in the morning like dwayne johnson the rock yeah sure that guy is a beast but like i can't imagine being that famous i can't either it has
0: to be a curse i wouldn't want to be that famous i would never want my children to be famous right but i you know And you experience this. There's some level of... I don't say fame, but there's some level of being known. You go to a restaurant, someone recognizes your name, recognizes your voice, whatever. Um, And depending on where you are, that's either nice or an inconvenience. But I would never want to be so famous where I can't go to a grocery store. I can't drive myself around. You have to worry about the safety of your children because Mm -hmm. they're targets for harassment or or death or worse. Uh, I, I just... I can't imagine living that way. I can't imagine enjoying life that well, way. And also, it, it becomes, I like anonymity.
1: Well, and here's the thing: you talk about you know kids being preyed upon, or you yourself are preyed upon because you're in the public eye. We're a little bit in the public eye, we're the public ear. Not, I get recognized now when I'm driving my convertible top down in this weather. I've had it happen like five times in the last yeah. two weeks, and it's fine. It's like, hey, we should focus on the road, man. We're on 45 on Atlanta Highway. Let's not sit here and chat. <laughs> I know I don't have a roof on my car. But, uh, hey, what's up, dude? Okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep driving. But, you know, here's how the world usually works. In my experience, if I say or do really terrible things, like I punch somebody. Sure. Keep it simple. I'm probably going to get punched back. Should. There, there's uh, Maybe harder. Yeah, there's it's a reciprocal sort of relationship. The things right. you do, you, know, you usually reap what you sow, unless you become really, really, really famous, because then sometimes you get these folks that prey on you or your children or whatever, and it doesn't make any sense. Right? It's it's you stop. And this is one thing I noticed with this whole Alabama abortion law. I know it's a weird thing to bring up. I've had the chance working on these airwaves to actually talk and get to know Clyde Chambliss. Mm, yeah, uh, I've recently. He's Will, a good guy. Yeah, Will Barfoot coming in. I the love studio. Barford, I, I love him too. Yeah, and you know, I'd probably like. I'll think about Clyde. Great guy, but I probably don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. Yeah, me him being a good conservative. I'm a libertarian. We probably have our disagreements, but I know who he is. I could probably figure out where he lives. I'm sure it'd be fine if we sat down and chat. He's a real person, is my point. Right. And then I see after the abortion bill and the state passes, which I'm more look at it. I'm not a fan of. I don't think it's going to be effective in court and whatever, but you keep seeing this meme making the rounds shared by this is the deep irony because I'm making a point about fame shared by other famous people, usually women in Hollywood that I like follow on Instagram for research purposes. You got to keep up with what's going on in the weird left coast. And so they are sharing this meme of a look at all the diversity in the Alabama Senate who passed this abortion bill. Look at all the women. And it's like these kind of crappy mugshots, or excuse me, headshots of the <laughs> mugshots. <laughs> headshots of all the senators in Alabama. <clears throat> and there is Clyde Chambliss. There's Will Barfoot. And then the next day, Clyde Chambliss is in the <clears throat> studio. And that, it kind of hit me. That, okay, those people, whether it's Jennifer Lawrence or Zoe Kravitz or whomever, Sarah Silverman, sharing this meme, aren't looking at Clyde like Clyde's a person. No. Boyle Barford is now a symbol. Right. And in many ways, Trump is now a symbol. Nancy Pelosi is now a symbol. All these things. And, and I think that is one of the worst aspects of our national celebrity culture and our politics, but in general. You forget they're a real person. They become some weird representation of whatever you love or whatever's pissing you off, and you react to it accordingly. And honestly, the people who do this, especially the politicians, know what they're doing to a certain degree, especially on the national level. But I worry that sometimes when you get so famous, the way people react stops making sense. Like, it's, it stops being a normal human relationship. And yeah. the, the folks that are able to maintain those when they're that famous, good on you and good for you. But, man, I just can't imagine. I don't want it. I really don't want it. I wouldn't mind being kind of semi-famous. Like, if you're a musician, you do the festival tour. You have, like, 30,000 devoted fans. Regional band. Yeah. Regional band, yeah. And, like, but not everybody (laughs) No, You don't want to be Michael Jackson fans. I'll give you an example.
0: Um, Just regional differences. A Formula One driver walks into any place in London. Hmm. He's instantly mobbed, recognized, whatever. He goes into Paris for uh, the French Grand Prix, instantly mobbed, recognized, everything. They go to Austin for the United States Grand Prix. A lot of them love it. Because they can ride the train, they can take taxi cabs, they can walk around the park. Nobody knows who the hell they are. Right, Lewis Hamilton, uh, uh, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, people that make $40, $50 million a year driving cars. The Monaco Grand Prix last week was watched by 110 million people around the world.
1: Wow. I didn't realize it was that big. Your
0: average Auburn-Alabama game, 8-10 million people. Yeah. Right? So you're talking fame on a massive, massive level. And... They, you know, in America, they can just wander around, and and they get that sense of anonymity, but they get all the advantages of having all the money. (laughs) Right there, you go. But they go overseas; they're not so. You know, fame is fame is also relative. But I'm with you. I don't want to be. I don't know that I want to be famous at all. I guess there are some perks to it. I I mean, there's no doubt about it. There are perks to it. There's two levels of justice for a reason.
1: But rich famous
0: people get one level of justice. Everybody else gets the other.
1: It's a point we unintentionally keep coming back to tonight. Is that there are costs and benefits to everything. That it's not like, oh, this person, yeah, this person has it really good, and they have certain privileges. That's a hot word these days. But there's also, being at the top of the hill, being the king of the hill, isn't all sunshine and lollipops. You know, the old sword of Damocles thing, hanging over rulers. That there's a lot of pressure. And I, don't, I would love for somebody to do a deep dive into the presidency itself, for instance. So I think that's become too outsized. I'm not talking about Trump. I'm not talking about Obama. I'm not talking about a particular president. In the last, let's say, two or three decades, the presidency has become this weird celebrity symbol of the nation. And maybe it got really going with FDR, probably. Truman took the train back to Missouri. Wow. And lived in poverty, basically. Well, I guess you had some. You had Andrew Jackson. Barack Obama Lincoln. just
0: gave a single speech in Columbia for six hundred thousand dollars.
1: There you go. See the difference? There you go. But I wonder what those guys. If somebody could sit down like a trained psychiatrist and do a psychological profile on what those guys are actually experiencing while they're in the presidency and after, what it actually does to your mentality and does to your life. Like if what Trump said, I'm sure and I hope Trump has a buddy. Who almost can play the fool, that doesn't say Mr. President, but say, hey, look, Donald, that was effing stupid. Yeah. He needs somebody like that in his life, and I wonder what those conversations are like at certain points. Everybody needs that guy in their
0: life. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't listen to him, you need somebody that grounds you to reality and says, man, what you're doing is dumb. Right. You can't have just a bunch
1: of yes-men around right. you. And yeah. in a way, the presidency has become this, such this symbol of the nation, whether you love or hate it, and that's usually right. the effect, It's very divisive, that it, it just reminds me this is not what the system was designed to do. Like if you actually read a lot of the early Federalist stuff, they thought impeachment would be more frequent. It hasn't been in our history, and now impeachment's a big effing deal to quote Joe Biden. But it, <laughs> I you love know. that quote. Oh That's I know. A big well deal. it's interesting. I don't want Joe Biden to be president, but I think Joe Biden would be fun to have a beer with. Apparently, well, no, I heard Ted Cruz talking about this recently. He said, honestly, Joe Biden's one of the most charming, fun guys to hang around with. Like, when I first got started, this is Ted Cruz talking, he came up to one of his Democratic colleagues right next to me and says, look at this guy. It's the one thing I hate the most, a smart Republican. (laughs) And it made Ted Cruz laugh a little bit. And it's like, okay, these are real people. And it's when they get this political power king in the hill position that makes you go, Oh you And it's not it has nothing to do with policies. Joe Biden plagiarized his speech and the biographical oh, content in the speech. He's such a brittle front runner right now. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's gonna be Biden they will the destroy end of the day. him. It, I you know, I kinda like the dark horse, like a mayor Pete. He ain't get a shot. <laughs> keep, don't, keep your eye on Amy Klobuchar. That's the Klobuchar. Really? Keep your eye on Amy Klobuchar. You think Kamala Harris is too up her own ass? Uh, I don't think they're going to do it minority
0: again. Hmm. I, I think I think Trump. I think uh, excuse me, Obama ruined the minority
1: presidency for forty years. And Beto's dead. I don't think Elizabeth Warren has much of a chance. I think that ten percent's about her ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's the hour. Thank you for listening, folks. We're all over the place, but I think in a good way. Engaging, intelligent conversation. We try. We try. I'll be back tomorrow. Joey Clark